0: Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just want to make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review. That would be very appreciated. All right, guys, let's dive in. Get your business going now. Do not wait. You're right. Your instincts on what I was going to tell you is 100% right. Don't wait. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now your host, Mike Simmons. All right, Thank you for being here today on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate your presence. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. If you're new, I appreciate you checking us out. I have a wonderful Q&A replay for you today. These have become actually very, very popular. In some weeks, they're actually getting more downloads than my like normal interview episodes. Uh, and I think that's because people are asking questions that you have. And you know maybe it's just very, very relevant and timely for you. But either way, I'm glad that you guys are loving this. And I'm going to continue doing it as long as it's helpful to everyone. And this Q&A was great. Lots of participation, maybe record participation for these Q&As. Tons of good live questions like, uh, What do you do if you can't sell a deal that you have under contract for a wholesaler? Right? Uh, what are some great lists for direct mail? Uh, what are some of the best channels for marketing in general? We talked about SMS, we talked about Cold Kong. There was a lot of marketing in this one, uh, which was very cool. First question I answered, though, was about you know, I get this a lot and I answer it the same way every time, but basically saying, should I start? my business now. it's the market's hot like maybe I should wait until everything cools off and I had an answer for that. And if you listen to me you know a lot and you kind of know what I say to that kind of thing you probably can anticipate. but I think for a lot of people that's a question they just keep having even if they have, they've had an answer for them, they come back and still say uh, maybe I should wait until the till the prices go down, right? And then somebody else asked me about you you know I tell people they need to make a lot of offers if they want to get deals. And what if I'm not able to generate enough leads to make the kind of offers that I want to make? What are some other options? And so we talked about that. So lots of lead generation, a lot of marketing. And that's just really what's on the mind of a lot of investors right now. I get that. And so we're going to have that conversation probably more than once. Uh, But these are some great questions. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So I will not waste any more time. We'll dive in. You can hear the questions and answers. And hopefully this one really moves the dial for you because I think it was a good episode. Okay, take a listen. Okay. We are live. Welcome back, guys. I appreciate you being here, and I'm excited to uh, do this live for you. Last week, I apologize. I wasn't able to be live for you. Uh, I was actually at the seven figure flipping runway and altitude uh, meetups uh, that we do about once a quarter, where about I don't know, 250 businesses come together and we talk about what's working. We talk about what challenges we're having. We try to come up with solutions. We brainstorm. We put people in a situation where we ask them questions about the business and we, we kind of really dig into what they're being challenged by, and whatever they're doing right, the things that are going well in their business, they share those things with the rest of the group. So everyone else can be really, really good at that too. And then also, like I said, we, we collaborate and try to come up with ways to overcome challenges and hurdles that we're having in our business um, with the runway group, which is the group that's more at a, at a beginner level um, and or just getting started level. Uh, we took them out on a little field trip. We went and saw a couple of houses that were in various states of renovation. This was in Nashville, by the way. This all took place in Nashville. Everyone around the country, everyone flew to Nashville. And like I said, for the runway group, we went and saw a few houses that were in various states of renovation. And we walked through them and we talked about what, what the house would need and how would you approach this as a house flipper What kind of things are you concerned about? Let's let's kind of break down the budget a little bit and see what it's going to cost to get this to get this thing renovated. And then we also ask the house, uh, the wholesalers, how do you view this house? What would you look for as a wholesaler? What kinds of things would you need to make the house flipper aware of so that they would make a good decision or have all the information available to them to make quick, effective offers to you? So uh, that was the runway group. The altitude group's a little bit higher level they they have a business that's scaled up to some extent and they're just trying to get over that million dollar hump for the most part a lot of them are trying to get up to and over that million dollar hump so the discussions and conversations in that group was a little bit higher so that's where i was last week it was a blast had tons of fun got to talk to so many great investors and all of that experience you know we do this once a quarter and i've been doing it for about 6 years now all of that information and everything honestly comes here and and I utilize it to answer your questions and I do it based off of my own experience things that I have done and accomplished and the way I've done it in my business and what I know to be true and what I've seen and my successes and my failures but I also get to bring to you guys here all of the collective experience of thousands and thousands of real estate investors that I've worked with over the last 6 years so that's what we do. Hopefully, it's a benefit to you. And hopefully, the questions that I answer on these Wednesdays is super impactful for you. If you're not able to watch this live, you can listen to the replay on Thursdays. I, I play it on my podcast. My podcast, if you go to Just Start Real Estate Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find it there and, and kind of listen uh, listen in. But if you want to be here live on Wednesdays, we're here from 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. You can log on to Just Start Real Estate on Facebook, That's my page. And you can ask questions. We can do this interactively. And there are people who log on here every week. I answer their questions live and uh, you all get to benefit from from those questions. Okay. But I do get questions sent to me all week long from various people, social media, my email, through my website, MikeSimmons.com. You can go there and check that out too. Uh, also, real quick, I do have a program that is going live very, very, very soon. So if you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, it'll be either live right now, you're listening live, which is great. But if you're listening to this on a replay of my podcast, you may have missed the start of the program or you might just barely be able to get in. So if you go to sevenfigureinvestor.com, that's the word seven, not the number, the word seven figure investor. Dot com. You can check out that program. I'm here to help you. I've built a program that I think is going to be insanely impactful for a lot of real estate investors as they grow and scale their business and they want to take it to the next level. They want to start being able to create a business that not only provides financial freedom, but provides freedom of time and That can be done. Trust me, even in an active business, you know, most people think of passive income as like rentals, but even an active business like flipping and wholesaling can be built, systematized, and a team can be put in place that allows you, as the owner, to step out and not be in that business full time. So that's what I help people with. So if you go to sevenfigureinvestor.com, you can find that. Okay. <clears throat> I'm dealing with a little bit of a cold tonight too so I apologize for the clearing of the throat and if I really have to cough I will hit the mute button so I can do that without coughing in your ear. Okay, first question for tonight. I have accumulated savings and I'm ready to invest. I want to buy 3 properties. 2 I'm sorry. I want to buy 3 properties. Sell 2 and hold 1. Uh, or use the burst strategy, but I can't help but to feel the market is overpriced at its peak. My concerns are that my investment is going to be worth less in two years if I buy now. I am a regular listener and I know you always say don't wait. But should I hold tight until prices start dropping, or can you still find value in investing right now? Okay, if you listen to me, you know that I say, don't wait." And my short answer is don't wait, but here's why. If you're buying houses to sell now okay you said you want to buy three sell two hold one the one you're going to hold it, i wouldn't worry about the price of houses right now too much i mean i really wouldn't unless you're going to sell it in two years then maybe i would wait but honestly if you're going to buy something to hold for the long term and i don't know how old you are maybe you're 70 and you're telling me you want to hold it for five years or maybe you're 20 and you're telling me you want to hold it for 50 years but if you're going to hold it for any length of time 10 or more years then by now. Because honestly, real estate goes up and down, okay? But if you're looking at this on video, you'll see what I'm saying. Real estate goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down, but it doesn't do that horizontally up and down, right? It doesn't go from 100,000 to 200, back to 100, back to 200, back to 100, back to, back to 200, back to 100 over decades. That's not how it works. It goes up and down, but it's going up and down on a roughly 45 degree angle going up, right? So it may go up to 200, down to 120, up to 250, down to 175, up to 275, down to 200, up to 325, down to 250. You know what I mean? So it's going up and down, but it's always kind of going up. Um, I don't think there are many houses out there unless you're just talking about like absolute worst neighborhoods in the worst cities. But most neighborhoods in most country, in most areas of the country if you bought a house in 1980 for $50,000 that house is not worth $50,000 right now it's worth a lot more right and so real estate does go up over the long term if you're going to hold these things don't worry about the prices now now let's go back to the other question about what if you want to sell some of them and i'm assuming by sell i'm assuming you mean buy and flip If you're going to do that, you're never going to buy it retail, right? That doesn't make any sense. You're going to buy them undervalued. Maybe you're going to go direct to seller, or you're going to make low offers on the MLS, or you're you're going to be doing direct mail or cold calling or text blasting or ringless voicemail, something to generate leads that are off market and that you can buy them at a discount. If you're buying them at a discount, you can wholesale them, you can flip them and sell them for a profit that works in any market, right? We're up here, we're at the high end of the market. I get that, but if you buy undervalued and and quickly renovate and sell, you you're still in the same relative market. It may go up or down a little bit, but it's in the relative same market. If you're going to buy something retail and you want to sell it right away, obviously it's not going to work. So I'm not even maybe I'm not even sure I'm understanding the question, because if you're going to sell two and keep one, the one you're keeping keep buy it now, don't worry about it. The ones you're gonna sell, you have to buy them undervalued. You have to buy them off market at a, a value less than what they're actually worth in the retail market so that you can sell them for a profit. Hopefully that helps. but the bottom line is don't wait. like do it now. Just make sure you're buying these properties at the right price so that you can do whatever it is you want to do with them, you can get it done. But don't don't wait because <coughs> I, I was gonna wait and buy a personal house until the market dropped because I sold my house at what I thought was close to the peak. I wanted to sell it uh, at the peak and then buy my new one when it went down. But after waiting for a year and there was no end in sight to the prices, I just went out and bought my house because I know I'm going to keep it for the next 30 years. So it really doesn't matter that much. So I say... Figure it out, go out there and do it now. That's my opinion. You'll be waiting forever, chasing the market, trying to figure it out. It'll go down, but it won't go down enough. And you're going to be afraid it's going to go back up. Like there's just too many, too many things that you just don't know. And nobody does, even though people are predicting it left and right, they just don't know. So get your business going now. Do not wait. You're right. Your instincts on what I was going to tell you is 100% right. Don't wait. All right next question I got from uh, Doug Lovett via uh, Facebook Messenger. I listened to your podcast where you said that an investor should be making five offers per day. If I'm not generating five leads per day, should I just make offers on houses on the MLS? Short answer, yes. Long answer, figure out how you can start generating uh, more leads so you can make more offers. Because making the offers is key. It, you know, you can't make one offer and expect to get one deal every time. So you have to make it. This is a numbers game. You have to make tons and tons of offers. I just interviewed somebody on my podcast today. It won't go live for about another month or so, but uh, he was saying the same thing. I, I I make a lot of offers every day. I make a lot of offers to try to run my business and keep my business going and make sure that I'm getting enough deals to buy and hold and buy and flip and wholesale and all these things that he's doing He's like, a lot of offers. That's the key. I've talked to so many investors lately who have all told me coincidentally, this whole business that we're in, this real estate investing world that we're in, it's about two things ultimately, leads and money. If you can generate leads and you can raise money, you can conquer the world in real estate. But leads are at the heart of it. If you... I just told this to somebody in a private call, but I said... And you may have heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating. If I were to take you out to a body of water, dunk your head under the water, and not let you up after a couple of minutes, or maybe less than that, all you would be thinking about is getting your head above the water so that you could breathe. Okay. If you have, you know, at home, you know, maybe your car needs a tire rotation because your tires are you know, bald in the front and you know you need to rotate the back to the front. With your head under the water and you thinking you're going to die any minute, how much would you be thinking about that car that needs a tire rotation? Mm-hmm. It's a problem and it's something that you have to think about, but it's not important to you because you need oxygen. Leads are the oxygen of your business. You must be generating leads. There's a million ways to generate leads but you must be generating more leads because yes, you're right. I do think everyone should be making five offers a day when, when, when leads and deals are lower than what they want. Or if you've never done a deal, or maybe you've only done a couple, you know what I mean? And you're not getting enough deals. You need to generate more leads and make more offers. And if you get to the end of a day or close to the end of the day, and you're not getting enough inbound leads, you need to generate outbound leads. could be cold calling, could be text blasting. It could be making offers on the MLS. Go find five houses on the MLS And make an offer that makes sense to you and at a price where you could do something with it, whatever your model is, whether it's buying hold or fix and flip or whatever. Make an offer that you would be willing to buy it at and do it before you go to bed. Because if you go to bed without making any offers and you have a business that's not growing or hasn't really gotten started, you need more leads. And it needs to be a high, high priority. Nothing else is important. Nothing in your business is important until you start generating leads. You don't need anything else in your business until you get leads. You don't need to do anything else because without leads, the rest of your business doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because you don't have leads. Mm-hmm. So go find those leads, make five offers a day. And yes, if you have to use the MLS, use it, make five. The MLS is easy. You should be making five to 10 offers on there every day anyway, and then doing follow-up on all of those all the time. Stay in front of that person's mind, stay in front of that uh that realtor's mind. So they, they think of you when they have to drop the price. Okay. Next one. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. Need you? I think need you probably, Patel. I apologize if I'm pronouncing it wrong, um, but you're live here. So thank you. I appreciate you jumping in with a question. We are Here's the question. We're averaging two deals per month utilizing PPC, Facebook marketing, and cold calling. Okay. All three. PPC, Facebook marketing, cold calling. What other marketing channels do you suggest to get us to four deals per month? Could you provide us with KPIs and cost and other channels? I I can't provide with KPIs and cost necessarily because I, I don't even know what market you're in. And if I'm not in that market, I may not be equipped to tell you exactly what it takes to get a lead in that market. And so what I'll tell you though, is the easy answer for this, if you're doing PPC, Facebook, and cold calling, the one marketing channel that is glaringly missing from this list is direct mail. And I personally think that direct mail, um, if you're trying to generate more leads, is an absolute must if you're not doing it. You're doing PPC. So I assume you have a marketing budget. There's some money available for marketing. I would add direct mail to it. In general, um, depending on where you are, if you're in a highly competitive market, you might need to send out 5 to 10 mail pieces a month for sure. Um, maybe more. If you're in a little less competitive market, maybe something in the Midwest that's not you know just saturated with investors, you might get away with you know three to five thousand per month. But I think I would start doing direct mail now. Uh, I use a company called Evergreen Printing. They're out of Florida, but it really doesn't matter where you are. I'm in Michigan, and they're in Florida, and they they have done my direct mail for years. They're great. And I would highly recommend them, but I would start doing direct mail. And again, you know, in in a market that's a little less competitive, maybe start with three or four thousand mail pieces. In a market that's a little more competitive, you might need to be at five thousand or more. Um, But it's just a baseline, right? You're just you're just setting a baseline. You send that mail out. You wait two or three months. See what kind of calls you're getting, what kind of responses, and then you adjust the volume up or down. But very important part of direct mail is consistency. You can't send out mail once and expect it to change your business. It's a four or five, or ideally a six-month process. You need to commit to, to direct mail for five or six months. Consistently, every single month, every single week of every single month for six months, you're sending out a set amount of mail to a list and you're doing it consistently without fail. Because if you just sort of drop it once and like stop for a few months and then drop a little more and stop again, you'll never get any kind of traction. You really need to do it consistently month in and month out. But direct mail, without a doubt, is the is the marketing channel that I would, I would suggest to you. Uh, the response rate, by the way, <clears throat> for direct mail right now currently in this market, if you're between a half a percent and 1% response, it's pretty average. If you're doing better than one percent, it's really good. If you're doing less than a half a percent, you probably need to adjust something in your message. Probably not working out very well. So that's as far as KPIs. That's the best I can do. The rest of it is how is your team doing or how are you doing when those calls come in? How good are you at capturing those leads? How good are you at answering the phone live? How good are you are ta- how good are you at talking to the sellers, creating rapport, getting an appointment, finding out what the motivation is? You know that those kind of KPIs are really dependent on on what you're doing with those leads. But as far as like the calls coming in, like the response to your mail, half a percent to one percent is pretty pretty normal right now. It's you know one percent is pretty good, half a percent is pretty average, maybe low a little bit. So if you're in that range, you're doing okay. If not, you need to adjust something. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cough. Hang on. Okay, sorry about that. All right, Zach uh, Belknap. Hey, Zach, what does your when does your course start? It's going to start in February, I believe. <laughs> We're moving the start date around a little bit to accommodate some stuff. Um, I am meeting with my team tomorrow. It's either going to start next week, uh, which would be the last week of. Of January, or it's going to start in uh, the beginning of February, the first week or two of February. So it's, it's really soon, could be as early as next week. So if you're interested, definitely go there and sign up now. This isn't marketing strategy, it's not me creating urgency. I'm just telling you the plan was to start next Tuesday, uh, but I don't know if we're ready to, to get it going just yet. It may be the first week of, of February. So uh, it could start just in a few days. So um, I would jump in there and check it out if you're interested. Okay. Uh, next question from Mike Aziz, uh, Mike is live here. So thanks for being here, Mike. Would you substitute direct mailers for cold calling me personally? I have way, way, way more faith in direct mail than I do cold calling cold calling. I know people who do cold calling really successfully, but I don't know, any cold calling system or anybody who's ever done cold calling that has reached the level of response and the volume and the revenue that direct mail can generate. I I haven't seen it personally, not saying it isn't out there, but I've talked to thousands of investors and I know dozens of seven figure and above, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens dozens of seven figure and above uh, real estate investors, seven figure profits and above. And of all of those people, I think all of them or almost all of them have generated the majority of their leads and deals from direct mail. So I just think historically, direct mail hands down is king. Um, but I know some people who are doing some great stuff with cold calling and they're getting a lot of deals and it's running their business and it's great. Uh, but you asked me the question, would I, would I substitute direct mailers for cold calling? Yes. I think cold calling has a longer sales cycle. There's a lot more nurturing that typically needs to happen with cold calling, and um, I just I I have a much higher faith in direct mail than I do cold calling personally. Okay, <clears throat> next question. Uh, follow up from Mike. Here we go live. This is live right off the right off the press. Here, hot off the press. How do you feel about uh, Mike? Asked the same question here. How do you feel about SMS? Um, I like it. But in the pecking order of what's going to like, I like when you ask me how I feel about something, the way I read that question is, how confident are you in its ability to generate revenue? Because that's all we care about with marketing, right? That it's generating revenue at the end of the day. So SMS for me is, is a little lower down the pecking order. So I always put, this is like sort of like my top four or five marketing channels in order of how I like them. Direct mail, I like the best. Cold calling, I'm sorry, direct mail, I like the best. PPC, I like second best. And and right now for me, because I've, I've reduced my direct mail for a million reasons I could get into at another time, but PPC is generating more leads for us than anything right now. But in order of historic greatness for generating revenue, direct mail, PPC, cold calling, um, and everything after that's a distant third or fourth. So... But I think I, I think SMS and like um, ringless voicemail to me are very similar. I know folks though that use SMS. A good friend of mine actually, who I admire, his business quite a bit. He's a smart guy with a great business. His name's Terry Berger. He recommends that you use SMS before you send mail to a list. You text it, and you can gauge the health and the in the you know the the vibrance of that list by how many responses you get from texting and if it's and if it's busy if people are texting you back and like hey tell me more or whatever then he direct mails it and that's a good way that he likes to use to make sure that he's whatever he's gonna mail is going to be a good active list if that makes sense I've never done that I'm just telling you I'm just giving you this what I laid off the press like latest recommendation I heard from someone I really like but your question is direct mail versus cold-calling I personally would... If you gave me money and said, you can only do one, it's always going to be direct mail. Always. Uh, Oh, and then SMS. How do I feel about it? Sorry. I jumped up to your last question. (laughs) Uh, SMS, again, pecking order. It's third or fourth or fifth, probably. It's good. You'll get deals from SMS. Absolutely. It just won't generate the same kind of deal flow as like direct mail, PPC, cold calling, in my opinion. Okay. Sorry about that. I got a little... I started talking and lost my own track. Uh, with the new year's... Okay, next question. With the new year, lots of people are looking at starting their real estate journey, but are trapped by analysis paralysis, not feeling like you know enough imposter syndrome or the potential financial, financial risk all come into play. How did you get over the analysis hurdle? So I, I had analysis, for five, analysis paralysis for five years. I, it took me a long time to actually throw my hat in the ring and get going. And what it took for me... Was hitting rock bottom in terms of how unhappy I was with my job, with my career, with how I felt about getting up for work every day. I was making a lot of money and I was doing well and everything was fine financially as far as it can be when you're working nine to five. But I just spent five years making excuses until I finally got sick of my own excuses. Like I got sick of hearing my own excuses. And I had to, I had to try. I finally realized that really the regret that I would feel someday if I never made the attempt, if I never started my business, if that regret that I would feel would be insanely more painful than the fear that I was feeling about getting started. And getting started in real estate, like you, you mentioned, you know, analysis, paralysis feeling like you don't know enough, imposter syndrome, financial risks. That's all just excuses and reasons that you're trying to stay safe, right? You're staying in your comfort zone. Nobody's ever really achieved anything great in their comfort zone. You're always going to have to get out of your comfort zone. And analysis paralysis, if you have that, I would suggest you stop going all over the place to try to find a new way to do this whole thing we're doing. Like it's really, this business is simple, it's not always easy, but it's simple. I've known some real smart people who are successful in real estate, but not everybody who's successful in real estate is, you know, a, a genius or you know, like some intellectual giant. And that's not a put down. I'm not an intellectual giant, but everybody can do this. The success success does leave clues, and one of the clues that success leaves that I see constantly are the people who go out there and start doing something, taking action and consistently taking action and sometimes taking massive action. Those are the people that end up having success. And so I find it very coincidental that the most successful people are coincidentally the people who are willing to go out there and start working and stop making excuses. And I'm not saying you're making excuses. Maybe, maybe you are. I'm not accusing you of that, but what I'm saying is you have to, at some point, take the leap of faith. You have to go out there and start making offers. You have to go out there and sign a contract and and start doing your due diligence and figuring out what you're going to do next. Like At some point, if you don't get a deal, you don't make an offer that doesn't get accepted or whatever, Like you're not a real estate investor until you start that process. And you can read all the books in the world. These Q&As, I think, can be very, very helpful. But all of that learning should be taking place along the journey, right? I would never want you to sit and listen to this Q&A to try to get more information to get started. I want you to get started and listen to this Q&A, listen to my podcast, buy my book, right? But do it while you're doing deals. Start making offers, start getting deals, learn along the way, right? Sometimes people call it, you know, building, you know, building your wings on the way down. And it sounds a little reckless. Maybe it sounds like something that I shouldn't be suggesting to people that they just start doing something, you know, if they don't know what they're doing, chances are, you know, what you're doing, you've gotten more than enough information to get started. And believe me, you're going to learn 10 times more while you're doing a deal. And after it's complete, than you ever will from listening to a podcast, reading a book, buying a course. You have to start doing something at some point. So, I say get out there and do it. Don't worry about imposter syndrome. Like honestly, what's worse? Feeling like you're a little bit of a phony cuz you don't know what you're doing or getting to the end of your life and realizing you squandered your entire life, you never took a chance, you never went out there and tried to build something that would give you freedom of time, freedom of, you know, financial freedom to do what you want to do, like you never did that. You're going to get to the end of your life at some point. We all are. Could be tomorrow. Could be a year from now. It could be 50 years from now. It could be 70 years from now. It could be 80, depending on how old you are, right? Could be several years in the future. It could be soon. Either way, we're all going to get there. You can either look back at a life where you took chances, you went for it, you tried, and very likely had success, or a life where you played it safe. You just said, what if? All the time, when you consider doing something, you just said, what if? What if it doesn't work? What if I get hurt? What if I look stupid? What if I lose money? That, do you want a what if life? Or you know, do you want a life where you say, hey, I, I took some chances. They didn't all work, but I tried. I took them all. I at least took a shot. Right. This business is not hard. It is simple. You can do it. It works. It really does work. And you really can do it. I am not a genius. I'm not, but I've had a lot of success in real estate. And believe me, every deal that I did, it got easier and easier and easier and easier. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect. It's not foolproof, but my goodness, is it simple once you get going. So I say get going. All right. A couple more questions from Zach. He's, now he's peppering me. <clears throat> what are your top three lists for direct mail? Um, I don't do a lot of niche stuff. And when you say, what are your top three? It's sort of implying that you're, you're talking niche, but I have always mailed to equity. And so for me, it's, it's equity. Anybody who has more than 40% equity in their house, who's over the age of 40. And in my market, I don't want to have a list that has houses whose value are over 300,000. Now that has to be adjusted for the market, obviously. If you do that in California... You're, there's going to be a list of zero, right? Because everything's more than 300,000. But in Michigan, if you go for 300,000, you're starting to get into luxury homes, like really big, nice, huge homes, right? And I don't want that in my marketing because I know that I'm just not going to get as many deals in that market. So I say, pick like where where the average house price cuts off and, and beyond that becomes more of a luxury house when you're doing um, equity. So 40% equity over the age of 40, And then draw a line wherever the average house price stops, and that's the list that I have always marketed to, that's done well for me. Um, But there's other other lists, you know, divorce. uh, You could do probate, um, pre foreclosure, tax delinquent. Like those are all niche lists. I don't. I've historically I've not marketed to them. I go straight equity because I've always had the opinion that, and this, you know, this may not be true for you, and you may not like this, but it's my opinion that if I'm mailing to equity and I'm mailing to a lot. I was mailing to over 130,000 houses every couple of months. So if I'm doing that and kind of mass marketing that way, I'm hitting all these niche lists too, right? If if you were to put the niche list in there and kind of sift them, like I'm hitting a lot of the people who are who would also be on a niche list. It's just I'm blasting out everybody with equity. So if you have a if you're on a niche list for like tax lien, right? And you're behind on your taxes. Well, if you're also underwater on your house, it's going to be a little harder for me to work with you. You still can. There's a lot of creative, obviously, creative strategies to buy houses. But our deal was working with people with equity. So I looked for equity. If you have equity and any problem, as long as you have equity, I know I can help you in a number of different ways. And so it made our hit rate a lot higher. And so we went straight equity. That was the list that we marketed to. And then we just had a huge net that we cast. So Um, that's what I would tell you about direct mail. I I would love to talk about like individual niche lists. I just didn't do it. So I don't have a lot of really solid feedback on that. Sorry. Cough again. Um, next question, Zach, uh, what do you do if you can't sell a deal? You said you would buy. (laughs) It's a good question. I've answered it a bunch and I, I actually just had a whole, like, uh, workshop and, uh, and some questions about this last week when I was at Some Figure Flipping. So when we have had deals, it doesn't happen very often. But there's deals that we sign the contract and then we have to cancel the contract. It's very rare. We don't make a habit out of it. We don't enjoy doing it. But there's a right and a wrong way to do anything. Okay, um, if you're if you're married to someone. And you don't want to be married anymore. There's a right and a wrong way to go about that. The wrong way, you treat them poorly. You're not, you know, you're not nice to them. Maybe you cheat on them. You lie about it. You get caught. You lie about it. You say mean things to them, and then you tell them you want a divorce. Right? Like that's that's the wrong way to handle it. If you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage and you don't want to be married anymore, sit down, have a conversation. I'm not feeling the same. I I don't feel like I want to be married. Like it doesn't, it sucks either way, but in one situation, you're being honest, you're being ethical, you're trying to be kind, and you're you're doing something that's a little uncomfortable, but you're doing it in a good way. The other way is horrible. You're a bad person, you're mean, you're a liar, you're adulterous, all this stuff. Real estate, especially like wholesalers, is what I think you're talking about here, Zach. You can do it right and wrong way. The right way is when you're signing the contract, let's just, I'll make up numbers, but let's just say you went into this um, this appointment and, and in your mind, you could pay $90,000 for the house maximum. You can't go above that. 90 is your cutoff, right? M, uh, maximum allowable offer, MAO. You get to the appointment, you're talking, you find out they can't go below 100. They will not go below 100. No matter what you do, what you say, nothing will make them go below 100. And so you have the conversation mr and mrs seller i came in here today able to spend or or my maximum allowable offer to you was going to be $90,000 but you've expressed to me and i understand why you can't go below 100 or will not go below 100 so here we are we're at an impasse i'm a little lower than than you want to go what if we do this i will sign the contract at $100,000, which is what you're asking for. But because I, this, I wasn't authorized to spend that much here today, can you give me just two weeks? I need to dial in my numbers a little better. I need to call some contractors. I need to talk to my investors and explain to them and try to go to bat for you and see if I can get them to raise their offer to 100. Now, I think there's a chance I can do that but I'm going to need some time to build up the proof to show them why this house should be bought for $100,000. Also, I may have to bring some of those investors over to the house just to show them what's going on. Maybe even a contractor to just show them what's going on. I need two weeks. Can you give me two weeks? And at the end of that two weeks or sooner, by the way, if I can figure out that I can make this happen sooner, I'll come back sooner, of course. But if you can give me two weeks, at the end of two weeks, I'll come back and I'll just give you a very honest feedback of what I was able to do. I'll either say, I cannot go above 90. I could not get my investors to change their mind. Unfortunately, if you can't lower your price, we're going to have to just cancel the contract and part as friends. Or... I'll come back and tell you, I can go up to $100,000 and we can go ahead and close this thing 100% for sure. But for now, if you can just give me two weeks to do my due diligence, talk to my investors and build the case to come back here and buy this for $100,000, then then that would be great. In two weeks, I'll let you know either way, and we will be perfectly honest and upfront with you. Can you give me two weeks? And they say, yes, 99% of the time. That's how you do it right. The way you do it wrong is say, Mister Mrs. Seller, I know you want a hundred thousand. I was only going to spend ninety. Uh, let's do this at hundred. We're good to go. Go ahead and call the U Hauls. Go ahead and put the down payment on the house in Florida. Go right ahead and sell all of your furniture and everything you own, and make all the commitments in the world because we're going to close with you, and then you cancel the contract. You now you're a horrible person. That's a horrible way to go about business. The way I said it, the first way, everyone's fine because the seller has been fully prepared. Their expectations are that you're going to come back to them and give them feedback. In the second scenario, they're selling all their furniture. They're buying. They're renting the U-hauls, and they they just put a down payment on the house in Florida. Okay, it's how you handle it. Um, You know, we we try to sell everything that we get under contract. If we can't sell it, we buy it ourselves in most cases. But sometimes, in rare instances, just doesn't work. We're just not able to to close on it, but we always set the expectations that that could be the case so that when we go back, nobody is surprised and nobody's life is ruined. That's how you do it. Okay, guys. Uh, We're going to end it for today. Thank you, everybody who participated live. I I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. Please come back next week. These questions are great. It's so much more fun when the live questions come in. Uh, My energy is definitely increased when that happens. So come back and ask questions live. I, I just can't can't tell you how much I enjoy doing that. And that's why I exactly why I do it. Uh, So thank you guys again for being here live. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. If you're interested in working with me directly, like I said, go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com. And we can start that process of blowing your business up right now. We can get it done 12 months from now, different business. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. right i hope you enjoyed that remember i do these q a's live on facebook on wednesdays at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific i hope you enjoyed this tune in next week for another installment of live q a's answering your questions okay until next time